Hi, and welcome to another episode of the School of Hiring podcast with me, Konstantin Slavovsky. In past episodes, we have explored the importance of your hiring process and the impact it has on a candidate's perception. In fact, the market's perception of you as an employer. We have also had a look at how data can be used to improve the candidate experience and dived into the importance of mission, vision, and values in hiring, as well as how team culture should be part of hiring. Today, I want to put all of this into perspective and hopefully bring these elements together for our listeners by exploring how all of these elements are essential in terms of employer brand, both for new hires as well as existing staff. To help me bring all of this together, today I am joined by Georgiana Gichuk. Yes, Georgiana, welcome. Welcome, Constantin. Thank you for the invitation. Now, Georgiana is the CEO and founder of BeagleCat, a digital marketing agency that specializes in recruitment marketing and employer branding. Georgiana is also the host of the podcast Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast, where she regularly interviews HR professionals, talent managers, and of course, employer branding managers from tech startups and scale-ups in Berlin. Georgiana, Thanks again for coming on. This is going to be a really exciting conversation. For sure it will be. Thank you again. I would like to start us off by asking you this, and, and this is quite a broad question. What is employer branding? I mean, I know that for many, it seems like it is just marketing that happens around mm -hmm. talent acquisition. Mm -hmm. There is quite a bit more to this, isn't there? Indeed, there's a bit or there should be a bit of marketing involved into employer branding. And I'm not saying this just because my background is digital marketing one. What is employer branding? It's in fact a company's reputation. It's the way in which employees, current and future employees, perceive that company. And if you want a definition by the book, when you talk about employer branding, you talk about company culture, about company values, about the employer value proposition or the employee value proposition, which is the give and get in the equation, right? And of course, you talk about employee experience, you talk about employee onboarding, there's many, many things that go in the mix. Okay, but is that actually employer branding or is that employer being in that case? That's a very interesting question. We were discussing this at some point and in my opinion, when you talk about employer branding versus employer being, you refer to the company versus the employee. It shouldn't be really versus, but it it's the way that I see it. Employer branding reflects how the company puts itself out there mm -hmm. to be recognized and to present itself as attractive to prospective employees. And then employer being is exactly the way it feels to work in that company. It's how the person feels, how the employee feels every day when they go to work. It's the truth it's the behind truth. the website. Okay, it is the truth behind the website. But I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this because... Obviously, you can paint a very pretty picture through employer branding, mm -hmm. but that picture doesn't necessarily reflect what the company is. Mm -hmm. There becomes this schism, this, this separation of reality mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. what's on the posters on the wall. Exactly. I, I think this is quite critical and also brings us to the point of who is employer branding for? And a lot of it at the moment is being done for talent acquisition. But mm -hmm. actually, I think we should also be looking at how employer brand reflects on your retention. I mean, Absolutely. if people don't feel well mm -hmm. about working for your business, 
Exactly. They're going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. What's your take on, you know, what should be given more value, the retention or the acquisition of talent? I would say both. And actually, when we started learning about employer branding about five, six years ago, as we were doing recruitment marketing for tech companies that were just entering Romania and trying to open an office there, mm-hmm. we discovered that it's as important to create and to establish a powerful employer brand inside the company as well as outside the company. And then with time, I discovered this very, very nice phrase, which says, first of all, re-recruit your current workforce. First of all, make sure they're on board with what's happening in the company. Make sure they adhere to the values. Make sure they're on board with the mission, the vision, the entire work environment. And how can you do that? By applying those Very, very often surveys we were talking about at some point. Every six months, every 12 months, every two months, you are saying once a month, I think, for your team. I survey my team once a week. Once a week, even. But it's single question surveys, but it's a continuous effort to understand what is going on in the team. And there's some very interesting insights that you get from this continuous survey. That's right. And it's insights about your culture, to me, is employer being, ultimately. That is true, because in the end, culture is... The seen and the unseen in the outside world. Absolutely. It's what happens when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And I think that very often companies approach employer branding from the perspective of these are aspirational values. This is our aspirational culture. Great. But they don't take into consideration how far is the reality from our aspiration. And Mm -hmm. this culture discussion... Yes, it needs to be started at the top of an organization, but it really needs to also take into consideration what are the people thinking? Why why do they come into work? You know, is it it just for a paycheck? Mm -hmm. Then you're having a retention problem really quickly. Exactly. Yeah. I would say it's always about the give and get, as I said in the beginning. Always make a check on that one. Is it really, is it really true? Are you really true to yourself as an organization? Are you as leaders being true to, to, to the promise that you made initially during the onboarding or even before as you marketed your message everywhere? I think a check is usually a good thing for a company. Absolutely. Now, let's also focus on what is it that employers should be saying in their employer branding efforts that is going to not only bring in the people, but also retain people within the organization. And to me, this is quite simply about ensuring that, A, our employer branding is reflective of who we really are, and B, ensuring Mm -hmm. that people are happy with who we are and who we aspire to be and are engaged in that message. But is there more to that? I would say it can be a different value proposition, or the value proposition can contain different things, or one thing for every person working in the organization. For some people, it can be the benefits that the company offers. And I mean here the material perks that can be interesting to some. Then some companies offer career advancement possibilities. That's also something that can be interesting to some, Mm -hmm. right? And for others, it's purpose, right? I'm going to mention Tesla now because it's a very famous company and I always like this example whenever I see it. It's an amazing organization to work for But at the same time, we all know that the work-life balance is practically inexistent. However, people choose to work for it because there's purpose. And so what I would say is that the organization needs to understand exactly what kind of people it wants to attract so that they can bring the message across in the direction that that they're willing to. 
And be genuine about it. And I be genuine add. about it, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I always find it a huge responsibility of any recruitment professional, of any talent acquisition professional, to be aware of what is the culture and mm-hmm. what are the perspectives within a organization because even though someone may have the skills that will be absolutely brilliant for that organization it is very often the case that organization will not be able to cater to the values and the balance that Mm -hmm. people have Mm -hmm. so while as a recruiter we can totally sell it and can say, you know, this is the best which opportunity. Which is what happens. Which is what happens most all times. too often. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say most mm-hmm. times, but I think our responsibility as recruiters is to ensure that it doesn't happen, that we provide them with the information for them yeah. to be able to actually make an informed decision mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. starting a job and find out three months into the job that that balance yeah. is not right mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And all too often that responsibility is is forgotten or put to the side just to make a hire happen and this is not only about agency recruiters i've seen in-house talent acquisition professionals make exactly the same mistake forgetting about what is the employer being Mm -hmm. and how that needs to be presented in the form of true employer brand a true reflection of the employer in a recruitment setting exactly exactly and i don't know why it happens but it does happen many times for lack of time or for lack of resources in the end. And this balance between the give and the get is not as well presented as it should be. And then you get to what happens in Berlin and in Germany and worldwide nowadays, this very low retention rate in companies because people aren't really getting what they signed up for in the end. See, and this brings me to a really interesting question because... I have recently been told, you know, we should really say goodbye to the idea of long-term staff retention. Right. You know, with the average staff retention at the moment being around 18 months and depending on what specialization we're talking about, that can drop Mm -hmm. quite significantly, actually. With that, do we really need to be shifting our focus for employer branding and as organizations on staff acquisition rather than staff retention. Now, I have a pretty strong opinion about this, which Mm -hmm. may surprise some, but what is your opinion about this? I would say that especially in these crazy times that we're living in, and after this horrific pandemic that sent all of us home when we wanted to be at work, and now some companies are bringing people back to work when people want to be at home, I think retention should be the focus of an organization. Like I said, re-recruiting these people all the time, making sure that they're in contact with everybody. Because what happened during Corona is that people were in contact with their departments, with their respective teams. But the overall unity and the overall sense of belonging was sort of lost in the process. I felt it, maybe you felt it, your colleagues did, everyone did. So I think the challenge now at this moment is to bring all that back, to bring the soul into the organization and to make those people remember why they came in the first place. Yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean bringing them back into the office. Absolutely not. Of course. I was speaking for myself. I prefer to be in the office. Myself as well. However, I do also realize that there are plenty of people that don't want to be in the office or they want to be in the office for a meeting to meet someone for the social aspect, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they feel they get more work done. And Actually, the statistics do show that often people do get more work done when they're working from home. There's less distractions. Mm -hmm. 
unless mm-hmm. you've got three kids, kids. running around. In exactly, the that's yeah. what I was thinking. So. But with kids back in school, that does become that a little be, bit easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my personal opinion is that retention is not addressed enough. I think that companies are not doing a particularly good job at retention. If you're looking at staff needing to change jobs in order to get promoted, in order to be able to get access to the learning that they need in order for that promotion, you're doing something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. The moment someone leaves your organization, that person takes with them all the onboarding, all the know-how, all the Mm -hmm. ability to add to the productivity of an organization. So I don't think that an 18-month average retention in companies is good enough. I think that as companies, before we even start looking at our employer brand for talent acquisition, Mm -hmm. we should be looking at why are people coming into work? We should be looking at why are they staying in work? We should be looking at exit interviews. We should be looking at re-interviewing our talent, Mm -hmm. understanding how the culture of our organization has shifted over the last two and a half years. Because trust me, the organization that you have had three years ago, pre-pandemic, is pretty much... That's gone. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a completely different culture, completely different expectations. And people that have changed in that time quite significantly in terms of what are their expectations of you as a business, you yes. as a manager, you as a company. Mm-hmm. What crossed my mind a few moments ago was that most times when we are asked to collaborate on a project, we are being told, could you help us with a recruitment marketing campaign? And I say, yes, sure, but we're going to need some time initially to look inside the company, talk to your people, see what makes them stay, if to see if the EVP is really the one that's on your website. And then, departing from that, we're going to create a company, a recruitment marketing campaign that will appeal to the outside world as well. And they usually say, oh, but we don't really need that. We know what we're doing. This is really true. It's Everything's as it should be. And I'm always surprised by this attitude. You need to really know what's happening inside the company and that's where you should look first whenever you want to recruit people. You see, not understanding your culture is like putting a little plastic band-aid on a massive wound, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's still going to keep bleeding. Yes. You need to approach it from where you are. You you can't build unless you understand what your foundations are. And just setting up a recruitment marketing campaign and Mm -hmm. painting a pretty picture of what is your employer brand based on what the senior leadership of the company tells you. Yes, or what they would like the employer brand to be. That also happens sometimes. You know, I went through a process of defining our mission, vision, values Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. defining our culture as an organization. And one thing I did learn from this is that, yes, you define it, but it changes all the time. This is why we Mm -hmm. do a weekly one question survey across the organization Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. see where the shifts are, where, you know, what is the, what is the thing that people want? Mm -hmm. What is it that they see? How do they feel about working for the organization? Culture is alive. That's what, unfortunately, many of the leaders nowadays don't really understand. Culture is alive. It changes. You should allow it to change, to grow, and you should grow and change with it. That's the most important thing. It cannot be top down. Yes, but what I will also say is enough of the leader bashing here, okay? 
But what we also need to look at is that leaders very often have a perception of what they think is the culture or what they would like the culture to be. That's true. That is what we would call aspirational culture, mm-hmm. aspirational values. That is where we should be aiming for. That is great. Mm-hmm. However, in order to be able to aim for that, build on that, develop that, it is critical to understand okay, what's the reality? Where are we right now? And I realize that's a lot of work. I've gone through this process myself mm-hmm. on two it occasions. Is. It's not easy. It's sure. not easy. No. And it's very uncomfortable. Uh, it takes a lot of leaders out of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And speaking from my experience, it's quite frustrating because it's very intangible. It's not something you can grasp and it doesn't yes. immediately translate into bottom yeah, line. it's not a quick win. That's sure. No, it's not. But if you get it right, you it's get gonna, retention. Yes, it's going to serve you really well in the future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I was curious to know your opinion on this. What's the best secret for creating retention in the, in the company? What would you say? You were talking to us at some point about improving or maintaining these emotional connections to the company. And I thought that's actually pretty brilliant. How do you do it? What does it mean to create an emotional bond to your company? There's several emotional bonds that you can create. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever come across on Instagram Mr. Adidas. No. Not familiar. He is a brand Sorry. ambassador, ultimately. Mm-hmm. He is someone that is so passionate about Adidas that Adidas has actually brought him on as a brand ambassador for the organization. Congrats to Adidas. Uh, congrats to Adidas and congrats to him. Yes. Because he is so passionate about the brand and what the brand stands for mm-hmm. that he becomes that brand ambassador. Now, not everyone is going to have that emotional engagement with a product and definitely even less mm-hmm. so with a service. But understanding what brings that connection for people, what is it that the company stands for that people want to stand behind. Mm-hmm. You know, is it your approach to diversity and inclusion? Yeah. Is it your approach to not working with certain types of businesses because you feel that they are not morally for correct, example. for example, yes. or not sustainable? Mm-hmm. Is it because you have certain principles as an organization that you will stand up for and defend quite publicly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people will say i want to work for a company that is able to stand by its word that is something that creates emotional connection no it doesn't happen overnight but it is something that you can hire for and it is also something Mm -hmm. that you are able to represent in a hiring process because let's not forget any hiring process is also an exercise of representing the company absolutely setting certain standards Mm -hmm. and if those standards match up if that aligns then that starts to create it sows the seeds of that connection i agree and and this remembers this reminds me of um one of the clients we used to work for a while ago for whom we managed after about six months of working together to bring in only qualified leads much fewer leads than before but much more qualified. And in the in the beginning, they were terrified. What's happening to our recruitment process? We're not getting as many leads as we used to. Oh my gosh, this is a disaster. What have you done? You know? And in the end, they discovered that 
the people who are coming in, who are signing up, were much more qualified. They resonated much better with what the company had to offer. So to me, that was like, wow. So we managed to do what Brian Adams says in, in his book, not the singer, the employer branding author. We managed to repel the many and to compel the few. And I think this is something that all companies should aspire to. Absolutely. And yet, coming from the perspective of someone that is deeply involved in recruitment and in several recruitment and executive search businesses, all too often, companies look at ways to increase the number of applicants they get, Mm -hmm. to increase the number of CVs, increase the volume. Volume. Mm -hmm. But you're looking to hire one person for this position. You don't need 100 candidates. Mm -hmm. You need just one right candidate. So in executive search, there's a limit as to how many profiles you actually receive. And up to how many you can process also, I imagine. Because you're only human in the end. But I really don't think that if you've got a well-set-up search where it is aligned and the information is presented and agreed on between the, Mm -hmm. the search parties... I don't think you need more than three to five profiles to make a successful hire. Wow. But that scares a lot of companies exactly. because mm-hmm. well, I've, I've got few profiles. That means I don't have choice. But mm-hmm. you don't need that much choice if you've got the right choice to make. Exactly. And this mm-hmm. is something that, again, employer branding is very important because It will enable candidates to self-select themselves out of a hiring Mm -hmm. process well before. Because it's either they click with your culture, click with your mission, click with your values, or they don't. Otherwise, you'll need to go through how many points in the interview process? Well, the basic three-step interview process has about 37 potential touch points. Yes, going through that with someone who's not a fit for your company, I don't know. Or maybe going through half of them at least, I would not want to be there. Yeah, and with falling number of acceptance rates, because the number of offers candidates receive has Mm -hmm. gone up, the average acceptance rate across the market is currently about 50%. That means that for every one hire you make, you have to go through the entire process twice. Twice, wow. Right? Now, if you're working with an effective agency partner, that can significantly increase and you can have mm-hmm. acceptance rate in the 80 to 90 percent. But again, this depends on having a very well-designed process right. that is very representative mm-hmm. and working with a partner that is effectively able to represent the true nature of your organization, truly represent you as an employer and understand not only your employer brand, but your employer being. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. What is your take on employee referral programs? Would you advocate for these? Personally, I am absolutely a fan of mm-hmm. employee referral programs. I think that companies should be able to acquire 70 to 80% of their hires directly themselves. That's a big number. That is a very big number. They should also know which 20 to 30% they will struggle to hire themselves Mm -hmm. and bring in effective specialist recruitment partners to help them with this. Mm -hmm. However, in order to make so many hires directly, employee referral schemes are absolutely the best way to go because who better understands your culture and your organization than your current employees? And who better to 
make a informed decision whether someone would be able to succeed yes. within the organization. There's also an additional benefit you get from employee referral schemes. If your employees are referring people to work for you as an organization, that means they're actually happy working for you as an yes. organization. If you're a shit organization... Nobody's going to. Exactly. Absolutely. So it is a metric of mm-hmm. how happy mm-hmm. people are within an organization. Yeah, it is a metric, indeed. So there we go. I think so. Georgiana, thank you so much. This has been really, really informative. However, before I do let you go, we do have a little bit of a tradition on the School of Hiring podcast, and that the podcast is very much focused at helping hiring managers become better at hiring and understanding how to hire better. What would be your advice to a new hiring manager about hiring? What do you wish you knew earlier on in your career about how you can improve your hiring? Well, I never worked as a recruiter. That's also um, a fact. What I would tell them is always to double check on the company culture with the people working around them. Ask around when they get in the company. Ask their direct managers, ask their coworkers, their colleagues, what is it like to work in this company so that they can, at their turn, better present it to the potential employees. Thank you very much. That's Thank a very good advice. Me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you as well. Thank you.